Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. What we gonna do right here is go back. Back into time. Getting back to his feet, but Neil has a high-level guillotine. And this could be over. He's out. And Dwayne Rodwood is out. So Josh Neal. A humongous win for Josh Neal as he gets the submission, the seventh submission win of his career. I am going to do something about these two stoner f***s I should have done a long time ago. Got a report of two guys hanging around outside a store selling pot. You don't smoke pot, yo. John Anik and Kenny Florian. TJ DeSantis trying to give me chills, bringing back those Ken Flo calls is what he's trying <laughs> to do. Man, that L.A. to Australia leg just never gets shorter, Ken Flo. Dude, it's brutal, man. It really huh. is. Like, the cross-country flight for me is, is tough, right? I, I haven't been doing a lot of international travel. But you didn't just do the cross-country flight, dude. You you went Australia to L.A., and then you still got to travel across the the United States of America. That is ridiculous, dude. I'm, I'm glad you're still awake. Well, hey, we, we have to fit it in because DeSantis has uh, Invicta FC duties, so he's got to bounce on out of here. So, hey, yes, Monday sir. night, we got to get the show in the can. It's a big week, obviously, recapping 234 and spinning this thing ahead to Phoenix. Good to be back in the United States of America, though. I mean, Australia is one of the most beautiful places in the world. I think we'd all go a lot more often if it wasn't so goddamn far away. To travel that far to do a live event is, is it insanity? I don't know what it is. It's just to go and make that quick turn. Yeah. If you got kids or circumstances that don't allow you to extend the trip, uh, is bananas. Uh, but it is good to be with you. It is episode 190 of the Anakin Florin podcast, Monday night, the 11th of February, 2019, where we are. This is the first true primetime show in the history of the Anakin Florian podcast. We teased it a few weeks ago when Longo was, you know, early bird dinner time for the 60 plus crowd. Um, but this is the first true primetime episode. What a crazy week flow. You know, what a crazy fight day. Oof. So we've had a lot of different circumstances. And, and I think our entire UFC staff, the live production team and everybody else has become conditioned to 
unforeseen circumstances. I think it was UFC 213 when Amanda Nunes had to pull out day of. But this situation with Robert Whitaker, given how, how few hours there were before the show, presented us with a lot of different challenges that that I'll touch on probably throughout our, our, our show today. Um, but I want to start with, with, obviously, Robert Whitaker uh, because – this is just a crazy circumstance for this athlete. And I know he had a pretty serious infection, Ken Flo, not, not all that long ago. Uh, he wasn't able to compete in Perth due to injury. So if you're listening to us almost assuredly by now, you know that he was forced to withdraw from the scheduled title defense against Kelvin Gastelum on fight day. Um, and here was the statement from Whitaker's team. Last night, roughly 9 p.m., Rob began feeling intense abdominal pains that were brought to the attention of the UFC doctors. After several hours of observation, he was admitted to the hospital at 3 a.m. Rob is just out of dual surgery for a twisted and collapsed bowel in addition to an internal hernia of the intestine and will be recovering in the hospital for several days. Um, he has spoken directly to his fans since, so I encourage you all to go on his Instagram page. If we were still on video, you would see Ken Flo wincing at the nature of the injury. And I don't know if you're wincing because you're thinking about, you know, fighting after that, right, it, given all that's going on in your system. But thankfully, disaster was averted. He went into emergency surgery, and, and seemingly he'll be able to fight another day. I'm thinking about, first of all, the circumstances of that. I'm thinking about the pain involved with something like that. Um, having to make that decision. I'm thinking about the UFC having to make that decision. Uh, I'm thinking about the bad luck that he has in Australia with, with these big UFC fights. It, this is terrible. Uh, Robert Whitaker was a guy that really could have created a hell of a lot of momentum uh, with a title defense here. Yeah, man. Uh, and he, he just was never given the opportunity. And I, I remember I was just incredulous when someone told me, uh, one of my buddies texted me, said, hey, the, the Whitaker fight is off. I said, what? Are you joking? He said, yep. Uh, looks like a hernia or something. And um, I, I just couldn't believe it. But uh, it, it was terrible because, you know, if I'm being candid, the, the UFC and that card really needed that fight. Uh, yeah. I, I think it really hurt that, uh, hurt that pay-per-view, uh, and it was unfortunate for everybody. So Rob's statement went on to say, up until five minutes before going into surgery, Rob was insisting he would fight, but advice was that a blow to his stomach could be fatal. Uh, Rob will come back stronger and ready for what is to come, thanks to the UFC, Kelvin, and his team for your professionalism. And obviously the medical team, Brianna and Dr. Davidson, who's now sick as a dog, by the way, uh, just the whole staff, got to shout everybody out, Zach Candido, the entire live production team. I mean, dude, I, I went to the arena and I sat down at the broadcast table, and Kenny, you're all too familiar with this process, but you know, sat there banging keys, redoing my scripts for two hours. You know, I mean, it was just a, a crazy, crazy situation. And for Robert Whitaker, thank God he didn't compete. I guess I just wonder going forward, right? I, this was, I guess, a three and a half hour surgery flow. So pretty invasive Jeez. thing. Whitaker was in the shape of his life, man. And you're, you're right. Uh, potentially ready to just maximize this showcase, defend his title. It was going to be the first official defense of his undisputed title on Australian soil. And, just mass disappointment. But Kenny, in terms of his fighting future, I know you're not a doctor, but you're in a medical family. I mean, you know, people are going to be, you know, pointing their toes in his midsection for a lot of years. He's in his 20s. I know. And that's the thing. Um, that is a brutal thing to have to deal with. Um, I assume and this is if everything went well, if, if the surgeons did their job and was able to seal everything and all that stuff, I assume he will probably make a full recovery. But I don't know. You never know. I mean, and we heard these things with, with Brock Lesnar, and he had something very different with diverti uh, diverticulitis. Um, but these are still major uh, invasive surgeries taking place to the insides of your stomach. And obviously that is a tender point um, for a lot of fighters, regardless of whether you have an issue or not. Getting hit there is not going to be fun, uh, I assume, for Whitaker. I hope that he is absolutely 100% after this. But um, I don't know, man. I, I hope that he's OK and, and able to fight like he was before. But this is this is absolutely devastating news. Just such a classy guy and, and such a great champion and, and uh, a really violent, is. violent, exciting fighter and, uh, you know, frightening turn of events for him. But hopefully Whitaker will emerge out the other side. You know, if anyone's going to put in the right work, it's him. And speaking of putting in the right work. Kelvin Gastelum is a big part of this because, Kenny, he had just completed the training camp of his life, right? And I'm not saying Gastelum isn't one of these guys who doesn't love to train, okay? But there's plenty of fighters who don't love to train, and be right? He had just put in the training camp of his life. 
And if somebody told you the morning of UFC 101 in Philadelphia, Ken Flo, that BJ Penn was unable to compete after the work that you had just put in, I, I don't know what you'd do, right? But, I mean, for Kel, you know, this is just a, a massive disappointment for him, and, and hopefully the title shot will come around again, but... You just never know in the sport. And for him, this is just the this is really the worst case scenario as far as I'm concerned for him. Uh, without a doubt, man. Anytime there's an injury and there's an injury in a title fight, there is major collateral damage, uh, yeah. not only to the UFC but to the opponent and, and his team. I mean, Kelvin put in a hell of a lot of work. Uh, by all accounts, everyone was saying that this was the training camp of his life. He was yep. looking fantastic in training, was taking guys out left and right and sparring and was ready to take that title from Robert Whitaker. So the fact that he wasn't able to do that and and get the belt under those circumstances uh, is really tough. And now he's being criticized, you know, for all these things. It, it, man, it, it's a terrible situation all the way around. And, of course, Calvin Gastelum got hold of Henry Cejudo's belt. It's the only new one that's circulating right now, and he made yes. sure to have it over his shoulder on fight night. But, uh, wow, it's just a, it's crazy, right? You're dealing with a lot of different variables internationally uh, for the whole promotion top to bottom. Fighters, as you well know, uh, live production, everything else. So to have this type of circumstance was pretty crazy. I'm not going to let you get out of here without at least – making this analogous to your situation. I mean, I'm sure you dealt with some circumstances in your fight career that weren't ideal, but if you woke up that day and BJ Penn wasn't ready to go, not that the title shot wouldn't have come around again, right? But like, you're ready to beat him that day. And I don't know. I just think that mentally that's a really hard thing to deal with. It's a very hard thing to deal with. Um, you know, first of all, you've done months of work, um, everyone is waiting for this one opportunity, right, to, to fight for a world championship belt in the UFC. This was his shot. He had traveled all the way to Australia, put in a Two weeks over camp. there, you know. You, you, you know what I mean? You, and, and you're doing everything to get the timing right, right? You're trying to get the timing right for your fight, uh, to get used to the schedule, all these things. You've invested thousands of dollars, pretend, uh, potentially tens of thousands yeah. of dollars, right? I'm sure uh, Kelvin did. Uh, to get himself ready for this, and now he can't even go out there and compete. Um, it, it's it's an awful situation. Um, and again, just with with the way that things go down in the UFC, it can be a scary situation because you you may not have that opportunity to fight for the belt again. You may not have that opportunity to fight Robert Whitaker again or whatever it is. So for me, I, I would have been uh, devastated. Um, and again, you're putting in work not only to fight, but you're putting in work to fight a very specific opponent. And Robert Whitaker is a very specific opponent that you better prepare for, uh, you know, for his specific uh, style. So um, it, it's a tough one, man. It, it's a very tough one. And, uh, you know, for Kelvin, uh, I'm sure he was very disappointed, man. And, and again, all that money in a lot of ways is lost when, when you're not able to fight. You, you lose all that time and you lose all that money. And we will never know if they had met in February of 2019 who would have won this fight. First time right. in UFC history that the middleweight championship was to be contested by two guys in their 20s, seemingly smack dab in the middle of their primes or at least arriving at it. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they, they remake it. Uh, they're not going to remake Israel out of Sonny Anderson Silva, but people would watch because this was the no doubter for fight of the night. Ken Flo, first round just had it all. You know, it's really truly as a commentator, one of those fights that you just want to just hit your mute button and just watch, right? And not necessarily be charged with providing the audio backdrop for it. But an outstanding fight. Um, Anderson Silva at 43 years old, going 15 minutes, extending Israel Adesanya in my mind. Certainly a feather in the in his cap. I, I gave him the second round. Um, and Adesanya dealt with a lot of variables in his own right that we shouldn't just dismiss, right? He was not going to make the excuse. And finally, he, the word sick came out of his mouth when I interviewed him on the ESPN Plus post show, right? But he was dealing with some shit early during fight week, you know? So everybody's dealing with stuff, all things considered. Great performance, I thought, for Adesanya and a nice showcase for Silva uh, in the fight of the night, kid. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, these are situations for fighters. Uh, sometimes things just aren't optimal and you get sick or you have an injury uh, and getting through those things, pushing through and having to deal with a tough opponent and, and getting the win. It might not be the best win of your career, but just getting by and getting that win, um, I, I think is huge for a fighter like Israel Adesanya, who, you know, again, I'm sure he's encountered other things in his UFC career so far, but perhaps not something quite like this. And then having being thrust 
uh, thrusted into the main event here on late notice. There's also yeah. something else as well. So he really had to deal with a lot. Um, and for Anderson Silva, you know, Anderson doesn't always look like he's so motivated for a fight. Yeah. Um, for this fight, I actually felt like he was. I yep. felt like energetically he was there to win it. He looked serious. He didn't look like he was distracted. He didn't look like um, like he was trying to do anything else but go out there and get the win. And yes. um, I, I was impressed with that that performance in that regard. As far yeah. as the, you know, the technical level of Anderson Silva, listen. His prime has passed him by, right? I mean, he he is he's 41, 41 years old, forty two years he'll, old. He'll be forty four in April. Oh my god! All right, just a couple years off. He's forty three years that. old. I mean, but we're all fucking fossils at this. Right, point. It, and he's he's just not moving the way he used to. Okay, that is that is clear. He's been fighting a long time. He's had uh, a, a nasty injury to his leg. We all remember what happened against Chris Weidman when he broke his leg. So um, he's had to deal with a lot himself, and. But at the end of the day, I thought it was an, it was a, a really fun fight between two guys that were not only out there to win, but to entertain. Um, and there was a a special aspect uh, to that yeah. fight because of it, both with Adesanya, um, just kind of the the way he was out there to perform, entertain, uh, pressure Anderson Silva. I, I thought he had a very impressive first round. I thought Anderson, like you said, won that second round, especially towards the end. And and I think it showed that he was out there to not only win, but actually knock Adesanya out. He was trying to lure him out. He utilized every veteran trick he could in yeah. the book to try to get that win. He wasn't able to do it. I thought Adesanya uh, did a good job in the third round, bringing things back under his, his control. Uh, but, uh, it, it was a solid fight overall. It wasn't my favorite fight, but it, right. it was a solid fight and a solid performance, especially given the circumstances. No, I mean, certainly you, you would classify the fight as more overrated than underrated at this point, right? Like I walked out of there and it seemed like people thought they had seen one of the greatest fights of all time. And it certainly was not that. So uh, that's proper and important context. No, I think you hit on a lot of good things in terms of Silva's motivation, right? And the energy and being there to win even more so than the Brunson felt fight. I felt a couple of years yes. ago. He's focused on recovery and physical therapy, so I think that aided his confidence that physically he felt very much all the way there. Uh, and those that who want to criticize or, or go down a, a narrative train when he, when he drops his hands, that is Anderson Silva, right? Ed Soros will be the first to tell you when he spars with huge men, he drops his hand and he gets hit in the face. You know what I mean? But that's him and, and being rhythmic and being a fighter and being in it. And Adesanya is a guy, Kenny, I'm not, not trying to denigrate the power, but he's just trying to touch you, right? He tells us that he's not trying. It's not, there's a different tempo to Adesanya's striking. And so I think for Silva, a few mind games, maybe you make a connection and knock the guy out, you know? Without a doubt. And I'm glad you, you brought that up because I, I think that uh, that is very important. First of all, for Anderson Silva, he, there was a time where he was able to get away with that. And he's trying to get you to miss and get frustrated so he can hit you with a counter shot. He doesn't have that same kind of vision or perhaps the same kind of speed uh, and, and timing to move his head out of the way and then catch you with a counter shot. So for Adesanya, he was landing a lot of those times that Anderson Silva uh, was kind of doing those antics. Now, I, just, I wonder there's a couple things that, uh, that, came away, that I came away with uh, after that. First, would... Would Israel Adesanya be able to finish a guy who was doing that? Maybe a middle of the pack guy who right. wasn't an Anderson Silva. You know, did that affect him? Was he looking across from the octagon and saying, "I'm going to give him way too much respect because it's Anderson Silva," or was it Israel Adesanya's style to kind of poke and prod and, and look for that opening and not do something stupid? And and right. I think you're right. I think that's. For the most part, Israel Adesanya's style. He does not make a lot of, you know, bold or risky moves, as you should do when you have right. four-ounce right. gloves on. So I, I think it was it was a smart move from Adesanya. He did what he needed to do to get the win. Um, make no mistake about it, that is still Anderson Silva across from you at the end of the day. You have to give him that respect. You had to be careful. Um, he's still a very dangerous man. The last thing to leave a fighter is power. Uh, and Anderson Silva could have caught him. So I thought it was a smart move from Israel Adesanya, not his best performance. Um, but again, him dealing with a, a sickness and, and having to perform there in a main event 
really on last notice, uh, last minute notice, I, I thought was still overall very impressive. You're right about his risk management. And even at our fighter meeting, when I sort of insinuated feel better, he's like, oh, I feel good. You know, he's like, I don't want anyone thinking that. I mean, he's just there's so much to like about this kid. Right. I mean, just he is literally like the last thing he would want to do is make an excuse. But in his subconscious, was he preserving the tank because he was, you know, very compromised early in the week? I don't know. Um, John, if I could add one other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing about Israel that is very special that I think made him a very interesting fighter for me. And, and I knew he had that potential was still, when he started that fight against Anderson Silva, he brings a, a, an electricity to the octagon when he competes similar to that of a John Jones and a Conor McGregor, where he is completely in a flow like state. He is, he has the ability to get rid of that pressure and just yes. utilize that emotional content to, to go out there and just compete and, be in the moment and yeah. be creative and perform and have fun. Uh, unlike a lot of fighters, that is one of the most difficult things to do as a performer and especially as a combat sports athlete. It, it is not an easy thing to do. And so the hard. fact that is the guy that he really uh, admiring and idolizing for a long time, I thought uh, was tremendous. And I really think when I think about Adesanya and John Jones, and that's great stuff, that's what I think is their biggest similarity, right? Yes. Is that ability on fight night, just big game players, you know? I think that's one of Gastelum's biggest strengths, right? Absolutely. Is that if he just has to go beat a man in a cage with no training camp on a night, you know, give me KG almost every day of the week against most guys under 200 pounds in the world. So for Adesanya, he, he continues to insinuate that this was a number one contender type. He made the walk, did his job, and should get a title fight. Sure, it was the number one contender t uh, fight, but the, the championship fight didn't happen. So it's hard to spin it too far forward for Adesanya. Certainly, there are guys like Bohashinya and Weidman who, you know, seem to not love the performance and feel like they might fare pretty well against him right now. There are going to be a lot of big fights for Adesanya. He's in a position right now where I'm not so convinced, you know, it's co-main event on a pay-per-view in, in an eliminator situation or headlining. I mean, this this guy's a headliner or on, I think he'll be on pay-per-view probably every step of the way from here on out. So I agree. I mean, that's the way I would use him uh, if yeah. I had that decision-making power in the <laughs> yeah. UFC. I mean, listen, this is a guy that I think knows how to entertain. He's got an exciting style. Um, it's clear this guy could be a superstar in this sport. He's a good-looking kid. Um, you know, knows how to get on a mic and excite the crowd. Um, and I, I think he just is going to be a very exciting fighter moving forward and could very well be a champion in his next fight, too. He could get the title shot, uh, depending on what happens timing wise yeah. uh, with Whitter Whitaker and his recovery. No, I certainly if Whitaker's looking at five, six months uh, and I know fans hate the interim championships, but there's a purpose to yeah. it. You just have to understand that they, they do it, whether it's to headline a card or to try to keep a division going uh, empty belt. It may be, but they do they do serve more of a purpose than I think a lot of people realize. And certainly Adesanya sold a lot of tickets. I, I can't quantify how many maybe he was responsible for versus Whitaker, but. Adesanya certainly uh, did his part in making the show a huge success. And, and obviously those crowds, Kenny, you've called fights in front of them. You know, they're, they're PEDs for announcers. So uh, so that was a big component yeah. of the night as well. So uh, we'll get to Lando Venata, time permitting. But I want to get to Ricky Simone, a winner on the main card over Ronnie Yaya. Unanimous decision, 30 to 27 times two and a 30 to 25 in there. I like the 30 to 25 just because under the new scoring system, uh, he, he's reading the rules the new way that a 10-8 doesn't have to be five minutes of total domination. We're trying to have the judges give out more liberal 10-8s, and certainly one of the judges in this situation certainly got that message. But I just thought this was a great martial arts uh, game plan and approach by Ricky Simone against a very um, – hungry and motivated Ronnie Yaya, who had a lot of momentum, as close to contention as he had ever been. And I just thought it was a real clean performance against Simone. Made sure to not get any get in any bad spots. He's going to be ranked next week, and I'm excited to see what the mullet man can do now moving forward. Listen, I, I think Simone uh, was smart to try not to go to the mat with, uh, with Yaya. I, th I thought that he did a good job of, you know, stopping any of those attempts 
Um, he basically made it a brawl uh, where he would thrive in that kind of environment. Uh, it, it was still a little bit risky for him. That is kind of his style. Yeah. Um, it's not the style of Hani though. I, I, and for, for or Hani, Ronnie, whatever I you know. want to call him. Uh, for, so for, for Ronnie, you know, I was a little disappointed. I didn't think he needed to do that kind of fight. I, I thought that he should have been shooting in from a hell of a lot closer, at least trying to get, um, you know, a little bit closer to Ricky before he decided to shoot. He was shooting yeah. from way too far away. And then he was just kind of just brawling and, and yeah, you know, he definitely hurt Ricky a couple times and had some good moments in that fight, but he was eating a lot of shots, man. He was eating yeah. a lot of shots. And to me, it seemed like this was a guy that was just not prepared to stand up for 15 minutes against Ricky Simone. That, sure. That's what it seemed like. It seemed like he went into freak out mode. I'm going to throw hands as hard yeah. and fast as I can. Uh, and see what happens. And when you when you're forced to do that in mixed martial arts, man, sometimes it works out. But to me, it wasn't a um, a display of high level mixed martial arts. I thought Ricky Simone um, kind of thrived in that kind of environment, um, and it, it was unfortunate. I, I don't know how far Ricky Simone is going to go in that division. I, you know, I, I don't see him being a champion to be honest. But right. he is a tough guy that you can rely on to be exciting. Uh, and not be afraid uh, of any fighter that's in front of them. It's the wrong time to want to be Bantamweight champion. I mean, that division has, has yeah. never been more it's top ridiculous. heavy. And the top 20 is insane, right? Um, but Ricky Simone will find himself somewhere in that top 15. And you're right. Not a lot of variance on the takedown attempts from Ronnie Yaya. But the uh, part of the backstory with, with Fabiano Scherner, Gracie Baja, Portland, right? He had refereed a lot of Yaya's jiu-jitsu matches and... They just seemed like they knew exactly what type of fight that they were going to get. And I think that was sort of my biggest takeaway. And maybe I didn't sum it up all that well, but I felt like just they just seemed to know exactly what was coming and exactly yep. what type of fight Yaya was going to present them. And not a lot of in-fight adjustments, obviously, from uh, from our man Pahumpa and, and Ronnie Yaya. But I think they were just up against it. Um, so a lot, we got to get to Longo here. Uh, Jimmy Crute, obviously a, a big performance for him. Did you see that stoppage from Mark Goddard? You know, Sam Alvey was super pissed about the stoppage in some part because Alvey's last fight against Rogerio Noguera, Mark Goddard was the referee in question. And he felt like that was a premature stoppage as well. Dana White obviously was critical of Mark Goddard in this setting. Your thoughts on on Crute, big picture, and also the stoppage, if you'd be so kind. I'm pissed because I picked Alvy to win. I, hey, I tell you, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Anik. That was bullshit. No, <laughs> listen, listen I, I think that, um, man, when I saw it, I said, you got to let Alvy just try a, just a little bit more. Was he hurt when he got cracked on the inside? 100%. I mean, yeah. he was not right. He went for some kind of a single and kind of fell to his back, and, and he was clearly not all the way there. But when Goddard stopped the fight, to me, Alvy seemed like he had his wits back. He seemed right. like he had his feet underneath him. I he agree. seemed like he was. he knew exactly where he was, what he was doing. He had his balance back. So I think it was a, a premature stoppage. And the moment that he got hurt, if he stopped it at that point when he was taking a beating on the maybe a few seconds before that, it, it would have looked a little bit better. But to let him go on and then stop it at that point when Sam Alvey was just getting back into the fight and was fine, it just looked a little off. And, and that's a tough call. That That is a tough call. I have the benefit of looking uh, at at Alvy after he gets back up, right, and looking at all the situation, right. all the circumstances around the situation, and saying that was an early stoppage. In the moment, maybe I would have done the same thing, but uh, you know, being being on the outside looking in, it was a little early from Goddard, and, and he's typically a very good referee, but that was a little premature. And I think you put it into context with Alvy actually had a problem with Goddard refing his fight prior to the prior to the match, correct? Yeah, and that's a, as angry as Sam Alvey has ever oh. been. You know? All right, last thing, and only 30 seconds, because Longo is is uh, super sensitive these days about when we yes. get to him on the phone. In terms of this 205-pound division, okay, and you know I get way too excited about guys, right? But Jimmy Crute is 10-0. I think Alexander Rockich is the name that a lot of people talk about as the light heavyweight prospect that maybe doesn't have the number next to his name or isn't a top-five guy that could really make a run to the championship. Is Johnny Walker? Johnny Walker blue? I think he's oh. a light heavyweight as well. Um, you know, Dominic Reyes certainly should be in that discussion. Um, I don't know. I'm getting a little bit excited about light heavyweight. That's all I'm saying. 
No, and it's good. Listen, 205 pounds, they need more talent. And I think Jimmy Crute is one of those guys who is a developing talent. Um, do I put him up there with those guys yet? I don't no, see that. He's, that the, he's he's so he's so young. But listen, he has plenty of time to develop. And the fact that he's 22 years old in the UFC, um, still putting it all together, uh, I think that's exciting for a lot of the guys, you know. And, and um, I think he is going to add some depth in the future for sure at 205. And we were like 22 when he was born. You know, that's crazy. That is crazy. Just awful. We're old um, as f. Thankfully, we're not old as Longo. Let's get to Ray. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, Ray Longo's not a marijuana guy, but the last time we had him on the show around 6 p.m. Eastern time, he <laughs> sounded like he had been ripping bong hits for three hours. It's 8.35 <laughs> p.m. Eastern tonight. But I think Longo's Ray? just been training, so he's probably got a little extra pep in his step. Raymond. As you can say o'clock, I'm high as a kite right now. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> oh, I know you're Eric, not. You're running, on pure, you're running on pure adrenaline again this week from the uh, fights the other night. You know, I think some people who listen to the opening segment are thinking, I don't know what that dude's running on. But no, yeah, we well, no, I get just get excited to talk to you. But yeah, I'm I'm hurting for certain. You know, I put my kids you're to hurting, bed for the steam of the Patriots win has been long gone, Anik. It's gone. Long He's got gone, nothing. Even, He's got nothing. Uh, even the bull and the five hour energy and the hydroxy cuts can't bring you back. <laughs> Hydroxy Come on, cut. John. Oh, I haven't taken hydroxy cut since the 1990s. Might have to go pick some up. Might have to go oh, pick wow. some up and Get go for a long kick. drive. Get New, England, New England 13, Los Angeles 3. So, Ray, lot to get to yes. with you. Um, but I want to start with this Whitaker-Gastelum situation. You know, I got, yeah. it's, it's hard for all parties involved. Uh, certainly for Robert, it's scary. I mean, what, do you think that uh, in your limited medical knowledge, I mean, I just worry about the long-term ramifications of, of an injury like this to the insides. Uh, man, I don't know enough about it, but I mean, it's not, it wasn't your regular hernia, like they kind of said. Uh, I mean, that's really what a hernia is. Your organs push through the, you know, the wall of your stomach, I guess. But uh, no, I think he's going to be fine with that. But you, you hit on he key element, limited amount of medical knowledge. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Very maybe limited. I'm making too much but, of but it. I, so, I, think he, I think he's going to be okay. I mean, look, it's unfortunate. I was really looking forward to that fight, but uh, really wish the guy a speedy recovery. And I think he's going to be back. And, uh, you know, like, again, I don't know. I, I think it was just if it came out and he got hit there, he was going to be in trouble. But, I mean, a lot of people have similar type of hernias, and I think they're okay. So... But again, I'm. But let me qualify that by saying I have absolutely no fucking idea what I'm talking about. That's but good, uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, the, hopefully the guy's okay. I pretend that Kenny's a doctor and put yeah. him on the spot, you know, in all these different well, settings. Kenny, so. Kenny comes from, but he does come from medical lineage. So <laughs> yeah, him more. Which I acknowledge. That's it. What I'm is, opening up my own doctor's office. That's <laughs> it. That's, oh, what shit. I'm going to get what sued. Did, what, did, what, did, what did your dad have to say about that? Anything? I didn't ask him anything about it. I, I got to ask him, though. I got to ask. We yeah. should have we should have him as a medical expert. We'll see oh, if anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the I'm, doctor, the doctor Florian just went the off Dr. Florian head. minute. Yeah, the Dr. Florian yeah. minute. Well, yeah, Ray, I mean, if we he, don't I call you. He, I think he's our biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, yes, he does. If, he loves it. He likes all of all you. Of, Ray, if we don't call you next yeah. week and it's the Dr. Gus Florian minute, just don't be upset. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, uh, I think my. My father's name was August, so they have something in oh, common. I like, it. Pretty, I like it. Yeah. That's awesome. So if, that you're, crazy? if you're Kelvin Gastelum and his coaches, right, you've put in the training camp of your life. You hope this title shot will come around again. But uh, I got to think that's the height of deflation, right? Maybe even worse than a loss at times because you don't get the chance. Yeah, you know, I like Kelvin, man. I, I, I wish the best from uh Look, it's, these things are unfortunate, but, you know, I, you can't. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, they're, not that they're acts of God, but they're pretty close. I mean, I'm, the only thing, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Was, what, what, what was the question? Like, what does he do now? With Well, no, not necessarily what does he do, but I mean, 
any circumstances in your career that you can draw a parallel? I mean, fight day, you've just, I mean, it's hay in the barn doesn't even begin to describe it. He's been in Australia for two weeks. You know, you you build yourself up to this one night and maybe he thought he was going to beat Whitaker this night. And maybe even if the shot does come around in five months, he's not as in as great a position for whatever reason to take advantage. I I don't know, man. I would have a, a hard time with it. Yeah, yeah, I think he's got a champion mindset, and I, I do think he's going to be fine. And I, I think this this fight will happen within three months. So that's my oh, I hope feeling. so. so I, yeah, I, I, got, think it, I, it. I think it is. I mean, if there's they, – and they, I hope they do the right thing and they they really uh, allow this fight to go on and don't put somebody else in there, you know. So, but, yeah, that, that, that whole thing was unfortunate. I mean, everybody was looking forward to that fight. Even the buzz in the gym was – who thought Whitaker was going to win? Who thought Gaston? I haven't even heard that in a while. So wow. uh, when I found out, it was kind of easy. Was, you know, I was really looking forward to that. But, yeah, Ray, I, I agree, uh, man. It's a fantastic fight, and I hope we see it soon, man. Listen, uh, there's another fantastic fight between Jimmy Rivera and your guy, Aljo. Um, how's, he fe- how's he feeling, man? And uh, when do you guys head out? Everything's looking good. He's, I'm going to wrap it up with him tomorrow, and then he's going to go out there with Iaquinta on Wednesday, and uh, I get out there Friday with Matt. So he's been uh, him and Al just work great together. And you know when Al's fighting, Aljo's a great third corner guy, and when Aljo's fighting, Iaquinta's a great third corner guy. I love both of those guys, and really excited for Aljo. And he's had a good camp, and yeah, let's just uh, I can't wait for Sunday night. So was Iaquinta helping him out for this fight? Then was he helping him kind of mimic uh, the style of Jimmy Rivera? Because I think no, he probably not really be a, no, he, not really. Yeah, he no, he drilled with him. We had other sparring okay. partners a little shorter than now. Yep. Uh, that were pretty quick and uh, you know boxing oriented, and uh, but he did uh, did do a lot of drilling with Al. Nice. But I don't think Al was like kind of mimicking him. It was just more to get movement in and you know work some other stuff. Gotcha. Aljamain Sterling, Jimmy Rivera, this Sunday night, the featured prelim fight on ESPN. It's going to do a huge number in that slot. I think it's good for you guys. And, Kenny, I have written down to ask Ray today, what can you tell me that I can actually use on the broadcast, right? Because Longo, he keeps it tight, right? And, <laughs> and, and yeah, well, the Iaquinta nugget that you just drew out of him is actually something I can use on the broadcast. So. Right. Try. Well, then you got it. There you, there you go. You have it. That's about, as much, I think that's about as much as I have. I water from a, from a rock, this guy. Jeez. Yeah, no, it's bad. It's bad. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bad. Well, give me a hint as to something you would like to. Uh, All right. To so have. here, I'll, I'll, I'll pretend you're just yeah. a run-of-the-mill guest. I'll say Ray Longo yeah, joining exactly. us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. All right. So you got Jimmy Rivera. He's 22-2, and two, right? He's built like the side of a backyard shed. Um, obviously, he presents some challenges. There's a lot of film on the guy. Has Aljo fought anybody similar? I think the, the closest guy he's fought is, uh, what's his name, Masunsau. You know, they're both okay. short, yep. stocky guys. Yep. And uh, I think they have very similar styles. Is this like a, a Jersey versus New York thing, or are we not going too deep into that tri-state yeah, rivalry? How, how no, angry not, is Pat Sarah? How, yeah, an, how, angry, how angry is Matt Serra at Jimmy Rivera for taking his nickname? And then El Terror or El Terror and then the Terror. I mean, come on. <laughs> really? Really? I, no, Jimmy likes, Rivera? Likes, That's the only nickname yeah. available out there? You got to take yeah. Matt Serra's? Uh, uh, he likes he likes Jimmy. I think he had him on the show a couple okay. of weeks ago. But uh, no, it's all good. These, these guys have been, you know, bitching at each other back and forth. They're always, uh, and it's funny, we did a show me and my partner did a show at the in New York City uh, Friday night, and Aljo stayed back to train, but Jimmy showed up, and I thought that was going to be like a little bit of a problem because they're always – they're both really nice guys, but sometimes some of this shit is really funny. So I don't know. It's all good. It should be a great, great fight. Uh, it's, it's a long time overdue. They were supposed to fight each other, I think, years ago when they were both just getting started. So uh, I think they're fighting each other at the right time. 
All right, we'll get you out of here on this. So you are plus $100. You had Kelvin Gastelum to win by TKO, but that fight obviously did not happen. So this week, um, it is Cain Velazquez and Francis Ngannou in the main event. Obviously, if Aljo wins at plus 140, you get 50 bucks when one of your guys wins. Wow. You get another 50 wow. bucks when one of your guys gets a finish of any kind, even if it's a submission and not a knockout, Ray. Um, that's still going your way. Wow. So a lot of money-making opportunities. Francis Ngannou. Two to one favorite against Kane Velazquez, who hasn't fought since UFC 200 in 2016. Who do you like in the heavyweight main event? Who, who's the favorite in that fight? Francis Ngannou. Excuse is me, is Kane favorite? Excuse me, Kane is favorite. Sorry. Holy crow! Kane, what the sorry. Heck? I was like. Kane, what am I missing? I, minus yeah. 195, Francis Ngannou plus 165. I beg your pardon. Yeah, no, no. Like Kane Velasquez gets the job. And always one of my favorite fighters. And uh, I think the whole world knows what the other guy's Achilles heel is. And it will be exposed again. All right, you get 100 bucks if Kane beats Ngannou. And then opportunities with Aljo as well. All right, man, look forward to seeing you there. Uh, I get it on Friday. And uh, I wish you all the best. Hope the cut goes well. And, and we'll see you guys Saturday, if not I will, sooner. I will see you there, my man. Rest up. There he is, Raymond Peter Longo. We will get to our UFC Phoenix selections here in a moment, but get ready for some tantalizing MMA action February 15th as two talented female flyweights compete for a vacant title. The eight-fight card for Invicta FC 34 in Kansas City features Illinois' own Pearl Gonzalez and 34-year-old Brazilian Vanessa Porto. And there's only one sports book you should trust with your action for this fight, and please take it from me because I bet on sports every day and I use them every day. And that's my bookie. If you care about betting in MMA, you'll want to roll with the premier MMA sports book in 2019. They post odds on every fight, including props like whether Pearl Gonzalez will last three rounds and whether Vanessa Porto will win by submission. Plus, my bookie's easy to use mobile interface and lightning fast payouts make it the perfect option to bet on the NBA March Madness and the Masters. They even offer odds on the Rotten Tomatoes scores of this month's biggest movies and who will die first in season eight of Game of Thrones. I think my wife would actually want some action on that, but I can speak to the interface, the mobile interface, and just the easy access website, mybookie.ag. MyBookie is the site for you. So visit mybookie.ag today and make sure to enter the promo code ANIC for a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code ANIC, A-N-I-K, and mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid, mybookie.ag. So you can certainly bet on Invicta FC 34 there. You can also bet on ESPN's UFC Fight Night in Ganu versus Velazquez coming up Sunday night from Talking Stick Resort Arena in Phoenix, Arizona. Seven selections from Ken Flo today. Let us get to him in the Main Event Challenge. It's the Main Event Challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. You think your voice is high there. How about Ooh. me calling that Josh near submission? I mean, sound like a different dude. You know? <laughs> it's awesome. By the way, Victor FC 34, UFC Fight Pass this weekend. The dulcet tones of TJ DeSantis on the call, so make sure you check that out. Uh, so Team Florian led it 7-5 going into UFC 234. You went head-to-head with podcast listener Feliz Repping Team Anik, he gets the first win of the year for Team Anik. Narrowest of margins, 3-2, to two, we'll take it, but it's 9-8. We transition to UFC Fight Night in Ganu versus Velazquez with us to make picks today. Shane Terra, Sugar Shane, how goes the battle, man? <laughs> um, I'm doing great. I like the nickname, thank you. Sugar Shane, did I get the surname correct, Terra? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's just a nickname I've had for a while. You got it, you got it perfect. All right, Sugar Shane, first fight for us today is going to be Jimmy Rivera, Aljamain Sterling. We just touched on it briefly with Ray Longo. Rivera, the favorite here, minus 165. Aljo comes back at plus 140. So Rivera coming off a win now, put that Marlon Marais set back behind him. Unanimous decision win over John Dodson in September. 22-2 and two overall, 6-1 and one in the UFC. And the favorite here, Shane, what, who do you like, Jimmy Rivera or Aljamain Sterling? Um, <clears throat> this is definitely an interesting fight. I think... Aljamain Sterling is probably going to take this one away. Um, I like Jimmy Rivera's karate style and the Tiger Shulman background that he has. Um, what I think his problem is that he doesn't he doesn't finish fights very often. He doesn't like pull the trigger a lot, and most of his wins come via decision. Um, and Aljo is a, he's a finisher. He likes to 
Um, we kind of know his plan. He likes to take these down. He likes to get them, uh, get on their back, choke them out, that kind of stuff. Um, so I think he's going to use that uh, that aggression. He's going to get Jimmy Rivera down. Uh, he's going to use his striking to set up his grappling and his wrestling. He's going to get him down, and he's just going to transition transition into his BJJ. Um, I I think personally, uh, Aljo is probably going to win at the end of the second round with a probably rear naked choke. All right, Ken Flo, Aljo plus 140 for Shane. He's won two in a row, including that modified knee bar against Cody Stamen at UFC 228. Your thoughts on Sterling as a plus 140 dog against Jimmy Rivera? I think Sterling has been looking really sharp lately. I, I yeah. just think that, uh, you know, Rivera with that conservative style, um, I agree with you, Shane. I, I think that um, for Rivera, he he's not, I don't think he's going to pull the trigger button in a good way. I, I think he's going to look to try to outpoint Sterling not really engage in any dangerous uh, exchanges, or he shouldn't anyway, just try to keep uh, Sterling on the outside. And the problem is Sterling's grappling, I, I think, is very solid, and he's very dangerous there. And if he can take it to the uh, to the mat, especially if he gets on top of Rivera, I think Sterling will definitely finish him. I, I just don't see it happening. I think Rivera can wrestle well enough to try to prevent that from happening, stop those takedowns, keep it on the feet. And when Sterling goes to exchange sometimes, he leaves his chin out there in a very dangerous spot, and I feel like either Rivera is going to catch him as he comes forward to throw a combo, or it's going to be Rivera just kind of outpointing him round by round, not being the most exciting fight, but him doing enough to get the decision win. All right, next up, Shane, featherweight division, Miles Jury, the minus 185 favorite against Andre Touchy. Feely Feely comes back at plus 155. Shane, what do you think? Um, I think... This is a, a kind of an interesting fight. I think both dudes sort of have uh, the wrestling background. Obviously, Andre Feely's uh, a team alpha male, so his wrestling should be on point, and he should probably have the wrestling advantage over Miles Jury. But uh, Jury is uh, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and I think overall his grappling is a little bit better, uh, especially now that he's training at uh, TriStar. Um, I'm probably going to say this a couple times, but I really like how some of these fights have uh, – sort of well-known teams going against each other. Like this one's kind of like alpha male versus TriStar. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of intriguing for me. Um, and I think because Frost the Hobby has such good uh, ground skills, I think Jerry is definitely going to uh, outclass Feely that way. Um, Striking-wise, I think they're kind of similar. Um, I don't know. Like I feel kind of bad saying this. I'm not super impressed with Andre Feely's last few fights. He, he does a lot of decisions. He, um, he's, he's another one of those dudes that's, just kind of not great at finishing, kind of like Kenny Florian. Um, oh! <laughs> so, so, something that's interesting about these dudes for this division, they're both really tall and they both have a lot of reach and both uh, pretty skinny, kind of like um, kind of like Max Holloway. So I think that'll be an interesting thing. They don't often fight uh, dudes that are dudes like each other like that. Um, and I think if if Andre Feely does want to win, want to win this fight, he needs to outstrike Jury uh, and maybe maybe kind of out stay on the outside, just kind of work around him, um, sort of like he did with the Artem Lobov fight, even though Lobov has, like, two two-inch long arms. Um, but otherwise, I think Miles Jury is just going to uh, outclass Feely throughout the whole fight, and he's just going to take it by decision. Interesting hearing from a fan who sort of likes the team versus team angle, you know? Yeah. Uh, we talk so much about the individual athletes, and rightfully so, but it's interesting to hear from Shane, who seems to to like some of that backdrop to a fight. Ken Flo, Jury's dropped three of his last five. Finished, of course, by the now-retired Chad Mendez. That was Boise, Idaho, back in July. Feely, a little up and down in the UFC. Has had some moments. The Gabriel Benitez knockout comes to mind. Uh, he's coming off a split decision loss to Michael the Menace Johnson back in August. And he's the plus-155 underdog here against Miles Jurikin. Yeah, listen, I think both these guys have been pretty inconsistent. I, I think that the way that they match up, I, I think Miles Jury has the advantage here. Um, Feely a little bit more unorthodox, but he, I think he moves a little bit better. He moves a lot better laterally. Um, I, I think jury probably has the cleaner skills overall. I think he's definitely more dangerous on the mat. Uh, I'll go with jury here for the win. All right, next up, good matchup at welterweight Vicente Luque and Brian Barberina. I think they might get into it, uh, at the weigh-in as well. Home game for the MMA labs Barberina. He is the plus 280 underdog here. Luque entrenched as the minus 350 favorite, Shane, Luque, or Barbarina for you? Um, I, I'm actually really excited about this fight. 
this one and uh, one or two others I think are be, going to be really, really great. I think this fight has a uh, possible performance of the night uh, all over it for whoever wins. Um, personally, I think uh, Vicente Luque is going to win this fight. He's probably going to do it <clears throat> um, near the end of the fight, maybe third round with a submission. But I think that uh, Brian Barberina is, I mean, obviously the odds have him as the underdog, but I think because of that, I, uh, he has a really good chance of pulling this one out. Uh, Vicente Luque, um, the dude's really, really good. He's got good striking. He's got power. His, uh, his ground game is really great. He's got great uh, BJJ. I think he's a, uh, I think he's a brown belt. Um, but Brian Barberina, man, that dude fucking hits really hard. If he, if he can kind of stay on the outside a little bit, um, he has a really good chance of of knocking out Vicente. Uh, Vicente. Um, I think I had one more note about that. Oh, um, so. I think the the overall quality of fighters that Brian Barberina has fought in the UFC is a little bit better than what Vicente has has fought, and I think that experience his his experience with those more elite level fighters actually gives him a really good chance. And I, I kind of wish the odds were a little bit closer, um, but like I said, I think I think Vicente is going to uh, he's going to pull this one out. He's he's on a he's on a streak, and that dude's just he's a fucking he's a killer, man. Ken Flo Luque's won three straight, six of his last seven, and I think most saliently, all of them finishes, just puts guys away. Uh, most recently knocked out Chad Laprise, then Jalen Turner at UFC 229 in October. Uh, Barbarina also a finisher. He's got some pop stop, both Ellenberger brothers. Jake in August, good for his fifth UFC win. Plus 280 uh, it, it seems, seems to be a swollen price. The question is, is that enough to entice the flow to the Barbarina side? For some reason, I see like sticky notes all over Shane's computer. All <laughs> just kind of like, all right, Luke got him, a little picture of him, like a stick figure of Luke up there, notes <laughs> underneath. Um, all right, well, listen, I, I'm going to go with Luke. I, I, I think that he is the more dangerous fighter. I think Bar- uh, Barbarena, um, I, yes, he does hit hard. He has an excellent chin as well. I don't see him mm-hmm. being particularly skillful, though, you know, but he is a tough guy. And if Luke decides to kind of get crazy and brawl, I agree with Shane that uh, he basically ups his chances of getting knocked out. So Luke has to be very careful in this fight. He's got to use his leg, his leg game, keep uh, Barbarina on the outside and then po- possibly get to a tie clinch or look for a takedown. We'll have where, where he can have the advantage uh, if he can put Barbarina on his back. Uh, I think Luke is is going to win this one. All right, next up, with no shortage of hype behind him, Crone Gracie making his UFC debut. Ooh, he will yeah. do so as a minus 330 favorite against the UFC tested and well-traveled Alex Caceres. He comes back plus 265. Shane, who do you like here? Oh, man, I am so excited to see Crone Gracie come back. Or I'm sorry, Crone Gracie to come to the UFC. Um, for me, this is super, super interesting because this is the – the first Gracie we've seen in the UFC in a while. Uh, you know, Nimi Gracie's over in Bellator, which is great, but I think he's, I think he was married in. I don't think he's technically like a, an actual Gracie. So it's really cool to see like a young Gracie coming in. Um, he's debuting on the main card, which I think is really, really big. Uh, it's really exciting for him. Um, fight wise itself. Um, I think it's really interesting that it's two Southpaws. Uh, I don't think Crone has a ton of experience fighting other Southpaws. Um, unlike Alex Caceres, who has, literally six times the fight experience that Crone has. And most of um, Caceres' opponents are, uh, of, I would, in my opinion, a much higher level than some of the dudes that Crone was fighting. Um, uh, Pick-wise, I think Crone is probably going to uh, win this fight. He he does take yeah. a lot of damage when you're doing stand-up, and his stand-up is okay. Um, but I think what he's going to do is probably near uh, the end of the first round, he's going to get Alex down. And he's probably going to take him out with a, a rear-naked choke. I think the the biggest uh, uh, variable for this fight is going to be Crone adjusting to the new rules. And in Ryzen, they have the the ten ten minute first round and the two five minute rounds after that. So I think him adjusting to the three five minute rounds is going to be probably his biggest problem. Ken Flo Caceres, 20th UFC appearance, pretty remarkable given where he's been at times in this UFC career. Coming off a win. That was against Martin Bravo way back in July. Gracie, 4-0, hasn't fought professionally in MMA since 2016. Uh, what can you tell us about Ice Cream Crone Gracie? I've actually trained with both of these guys. I, I trained with Caceres a long time ago when he was just getting started in his MMA career, his UFC career, I should say. Um, so I don't want to make a judgment based on that. He has improved a great deal 
Um, and, you know, I, I think that clearly he's got to keep this on the feet if he wants a chance at beating Crone Gracie. Um, and, and even then, I think Crone is improving a lot on the feet. I actually saw Crone um, a, a few weeks ago uh, right down the street from my house. Actually, he was with Nate Diaz hanging out. Um, so Nate Diaz has been training with him. And Crone is the type of guy, John, who never stops training. This guy has that same mindset as a Nate Diaz where he's always getting ready for something, whether it's a triathlon or yeah. uh, just training nonstop. His training sessions are the real deal Holyfield for sure. This guy trains like an absolute animal. Crone is always training. He's always ready. He's been working very hard on his striking skills. Um, I think they will be dialed in for this fight. I see Crone Gracie getting the win in around uh, the, the end of the second round by Rear Naked Show. And reports are Nate Diaz will be firmly in the corner of Crone Gracie in Phoenix, Arizona this week. And all right, got to move, fellas. Featured bout in the strawweight division here. Calvillo, Casey, Cynthia Calvillo, Prohibitive favorite, minus 290. Courtney Casey getting a home game here, born and raised in Arizona. She's plus 235. Shane, Calvillo or Casey for you? Um, with this fight, uh, Courtney Casey definitely has the better uh, better stand-up, and she has the, I think she has the possibility of pulling it out, but I think Calvillo overall is just going to just gonna destroy her. Uh, she's got real dirty boxing. I think she's going to get in with some striking, clinch her up, take her down, and then... Um, just grind it out. I don't think she's going to finish this because Courtney Casey is really tough, but I think uh, Calvillo will probably get this one via decision. Ken Flo, Courtney Casey, you got to respect the former soccer standouts, right? Played soccer collegiately at the University of Texas, El Paso, if memory serves. Last three fights have all gone to split decisions. Last one did go her way. That was against Angela Hill. I like the potential for Casey. I like her frame, but here it's her 10th UFC appearance, Kenny, and I, I still think she's trying to put it all together, you know? John, everybody knows soccer players are the toughest athletes walking God this planet right, right God now, right. okay? We all know that. Everybody, it's clear. You watch one soccer game and you know that. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I got to say, Casey, I think she hits harder than Calvillo. I don't know if she's the better striker, though. I think she does probably hit hard, uh, harder. I think Calvillo moves a little bit better uh, on the feet. I think she's going to be way better on the ground. The way that she puts it all together, I think Calvillo will get the win uh, in enemy territory. All right, co-main event. This line has moved a little bit, but our line is Paul Felder, minus 125, slight favorite against James Vick, who is a plus 105 underdog. Felder's been out for a while, had surgery after the split decision, lost to Platinum Mike Perry last July. Now he returns against Vick. Vick's won four of his last five, knocked out, though, by Justin Gaethje in what was the main event last August. Good co-main event, high stakes at lightweight. Felder, Vick, Shane, who do you like? Um, I mean, I got to tell you, I'm going to try not to take too long on this one because I had the most fun breaking this one down. I'm most excited for this fight. It's probably going to be fight of the night. Um, I am a little partial to this because the guy that trains me at my Muay Thai gym used to train Paul Felder, and he uh, cornered him a couple times. But um, I think if James Vick doesn't work his range um, and stay on the outside and just use a lot of jabs and a lot of kick kicks and pressure i think paul felder is going to fucking kill him in the first round i think it's probably going to be first round knockout paul felder is just a monster i you know i think there's a lot of truth in there at least in terms of felder as a monster kenny i mean it's such a systematic weight cut i think he's as big a power threat as there is at 155 pounds you know i'm high on Vic as well love the frame i like the work ethic uh what do you think close fight according to vegas yeah you know i, I think that for james Vic, uh, i think um he has a real big-time fundamental flaw, and it's his, the dropping of those hands and standing way too tall. It just uh, makes him super susceptible to overhands and hooks. And I think that Felder, uh, you know, watching Vic's last fight against Gaethje is going to see something that he can exploit. Um, and, and sometimes Felder, I think, takes an interesting approach to fight. Sometimes... And maybe a lot of times I feel like Felder makes it more difficult than it needs to be. I think that Felder uh, still hasn't shown his true potential in the UFC in a lot of ways. I think Felder um, has a lot of good things going for him, but sometimes can be a little bit more efficient when he when he fights. Uh, that said, I think Felder does get the win. I think he has less weaknesses. I think he has more weapons than Vic, uh, and I think he gets it done. All right, main event could determine the next heavyweight title challenger. That remains to be seen. Cain Velazquez returning. Cannot wait to see this. For Man. the first time since July 9, 2016. Stopped Travis Brown that night at UFC 200. He's only fought twice since 2013. 
Still entrenched as the favorite here, though. Minus 195. Francis Ngannou coming back at plus 165. Shane, as this is the main event, we will need the round and the method of victory. Who wins the headliner Sunday night in Phoenix? Um, this this fight's pretty exciting. It actually has a lot of questions for me. Like, why is Kane unranked and he's fighting number three? Like, I get that he needs a, a tune-up fight. It just seems kind of weird. Um, I This fight, I didn't even really need to break down, to be honest with you. I think Kane is going to tear Francis apart. Um, I, I, I feel like it's probably going to be in the second round. He's going to finish him by TKO, but, I mean, there's a possibility for, for – I guess I'm going to pick sec, second-round TKO. Um, there's obviously a chance Francis can knock him out. We all know that. The dude hits really, really fucking hard. Um, he, 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 he did knock, um, he did stop Curtis Blades, who is a great wrestler, but they didn't get to go super long. So we didn't get right. to see his, his takedown defense, you know, but, uh, I think, I think Kane's definitely going to get this one. Yeah. I think that's an important point in terms of the length or lack thereof the, of the fight between, uh, Francis and Gano and Curtis Blades, Shane Terra, man. Great job, dude. Appreciate the enthusiasm, the prep. Thanks for coming on, and, and time permitting, we'll have you back before the year's out, bud. Great job. That'll be awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Shane Tara making picks for Team Anik today. All right, Kenny, main event, Kane Velasquez, Francis Ngannou. So the win over Curtis Blades, like on paper, he does have a win now over the most accomplished takeout takedown artist in UFC heavyweight history, right? No UFC heavyweight has more takedowns than Curtis Blades, but it was a very short fight, obviously. Um, what do you think about... Cain Velazquez, the layoff, his prospects as two to one favorite against Francis Ngannou. You know what was kind of scary? I, I went back and watched some of Ngannou's fights. I went back and watched, you know, some of Kane's fights. You know, we haven't seen Kane compete in a little while. Obviously, I know both of them very well, but I wanted to be prepared for this podcast. I love it. Music to my ears. Went back and watched the fight against Curtis Blades. Yeah, I, I, I thought that um, the exact punch. That Junior Dos Santos caught Cain Velasquez uh, with in their first fight is the exact same punch that Ngano caught Curtis Blades with. Watch that fight. It is crazy. It's the exact same shot. Looks like the exact same sequence. The way that they dropped, he hit wow. him right on the side of the ear. Um, so it, for those that are listening to the podcast, go and check that out. Watch those two fights in the finish of Dos Santos in the first one against Kane and the one that Ngano just beat Blades with in the rematch. It was very interesting. That scared me a little bit. It also scares me a little bit that sometimes Cain Velasquez will trade in the pocket. If he wants to be able to land and set up his takedown, he needs to put himself in the pocket and throw hands against Ngannou to get the respect so he can get a clean shot on those legs. If he gets in on the leg of Ngannou, I think the fight is over. I think Kane get takes him down. I don't think that Ngannou is going to be able to get get up uh, many times after that. If he does, Kane is very good at returning you right back down to the mat and pressuring you, getting his head over your head so you can't do that again. And I think Kane um, is has been itching for a fight. And talking to Daniel Cormier, he said it, it looks like Kane Velasquez has never left the game um, and he is ready to go. Um, we've seen Ngannou... Uh, you know, against Stipe Miacic, I think Kane Velasquez is perhaps the original Stipe Miacic. Um, and I would love to see those two tangle at one point, Stipe and Kane. But I think Kane is just going to be too good. I think he gets the stoppage over Ngannou at the end of the first round. All right, Kane, round one, TKO for Ken Flo. And I love the breakdown, and I'll try to credit you on the air when I get into all of that. Um, but it is it, it is going to be fascinating. The first 30 seconds of that fight, I just cannot yes. wait to see it play Ooh. out. And Of course, the cherry on top is that it is the first ESPN UFC fight night. Obviously, we've had prelims on ESPN, but this is the first fight night on ESPN. The early numbers have been strong, and uh, hopefully it'll be a big Sunday night for the MMA leader. But we got to get on out of here. Thanks to MyBookie.ag for sponsoring the show. Don't forget MyBookie.ag, promo code ANIC. And you get a 50% deposit bonus. Sounds like a no-brainer. Uh, thanks to all the UFC fans in Australia, New Zealand, and anyone who made it to UFC 234. Really enjoyed meeting a lot of you. Very memorable live events. So thank you all for that. Sunday night, live on ESPN, UFC Fight Night in Ganu versus Velazquez. And I'm hitting a red eye right after the show because my priority is the Anakin Florian podcast. So you better. We'll be right back with you either Monday, February 18th, maybe Tuesday the 19th, depending on Ken Flo's schedule. 
and we'll get you primed for the UFC's first jaunt to the Czech Republic February 23rd. With that, for TJ DeSantis, have a good call wherever you're going. And the great Kenny Florian, John Anderson, so long for now. Thank you all for listening. Until next Monday, have a great week. Enjoy the fights. Don't text and drive. you later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.